are listening to the Jersey Guys Podcast, the show that talks about hard rock, heavy metal, AOR, and West Coast music. In-depth conversation and special guests are always on tap, so settle in and turn it up. Now, here are your hosts, Tom and Mark. Hey everybody, this is Mark Ballow. Uh, welcome to the Jersey Guys podcast, episode number two today. Uh, here with my co-host, Tom Coyne. How's things going, Tom? Things are going good. Uh, first, how'd you think, what'd you think of the first episode? I, I loved it. I got great feedback on it, which has made me feel great. Uh, people from Europe, people from Japan, friends, family, uh, great feedback. So I'm on a ride and a high on this. Definitely, definitely. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that one. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that first episode with uh, Phil from uh, Zigzag Records. And uh, check that out on our uh, our Facebook page and on our YouTube page. Everybody could uh, follow us on Facebook and subscribe over there on the, uh, the YouTube page. That would be great. If you guys enjoyed it, let your friends know about it. And uh, we're hoping to expand this thing as we go along. Uh, this episode, we thought we would just do the two of us. Uh, no guests today. But we thought what we'd do for this episode is we would... Talk about uh, the band Europe, uh, the Swedish band. Everybody knows them well, Final Countdown. Uh, but we thought we would kind of do a little uh, discography uh, discussion on them. So what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the reason I, I wanted to start, we've actually talked about this quite extensively, uh, breaking down dis- discographies at a, a very intense level, unlike most of the discography breakdowns I've seen on YouTube. And the reason I arrived on this band, which we had talked about, is I started to get a notion in my brain, kind of like a brainchild of mine, of a lot of bands, how do they stack up after all these years to the great hard rock and heavy metal bands of all time? Are they on that level of the Led Zeppelins and Deep Purples and UFOs and bands of that ilk? And... The first band that jumped into my mind was Europe, and I did a lot of deep thinking, and we've talked about this, so we both kind of agreed that this would be a perfect band to break down discography, and at the end, give our own personal opinions of how their records 1 through 11 stack up in our own opinions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Europe had basically, I would say, kind of like two eras, right? You had the, the classic era which started with their first album in 1983, and that went all the way up to uh, 1991 with the Prisoners of Paradise album. And then the band kind of went on hiatus. They took, what, 11, 12 years off, and then came back again in 2004 and have since then released six albums. So uh, they kind of have like two two distinct eras with like a, a 11, 12-year break in between. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And a lot of people, you know, may, will know them, obviously, from their 80s period and 90s period. But maybe they didn't really follow them too much into the the newer era. So I think it's great because you and I are fans of both. And so it's great because we can kind of maybe expose people to something they're not real familiar with, you know? Yeah, you can make an argument that they actually had three periods because of the huge change in in the lineup with John Norum leaving and Key Marcello coming in. 
And um, there was at the time some, I don't know if bad blood is, is the word, but Norm clearly made it known that he left for the lack of a better word, the direction that the band was, was going in. And um, you could take the first three as being the, you know, the early Norm period and the key Marcello period. And then when they brought Norm back, which has led to a, a, a lot of different records and a lot of different opinions on yeah. those records, yeah. which we will get into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good point about that. You know, the first three albums with being John Norum and then, you know, like you said, he left basically uh, because, like you said, he, he didn't like the sound or the direction they were going in. Uh, but then they bring, you know, Key Marcello in and they do two more albums. And yeah, right. so it's, it is definitely like a three, almost three hours distinct errors for sure. Um, but what we thought we would do kind of going into this is we would basically do a, a chronological order of their releases. Uh, we'll start with the debut from 1983, and we'll talk a little bit about that, go back and forth with each other, and then, you know, continue that on down the line with, with the rest of the albums right up through the final one. Um, so, I mean, we basically, the, the, you were going to start with the first album, or you want me to start? Uh, you could take it away take with the first record. Um, the first album was the self-titled, uh, released in 1983. Yeah, I mean, it was an album that, you know, that's where everybody first heard of the band. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was independent release, right? It was an independent release, yes. So they, they weren't signed to CBS yet at that point. Correct. Um, I think they, well, they started out, I was reading, they, they basically started in 1979 is when they kind of formed. when they were called Force, right? Right. Um, and they then were that, in high school at the time. Were they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so they were really young. So, yeah, I mean, they, they started with, with as Force and then I think they... Did some sort of a uh, European, uh, Swedish, uh, right? Sort of songwriting contest or something like that, right? And that's and at the time it was a four piece. Uh, this right. was they didn't have a keyboard. Yeah, player. Tony Reno, I believe, was the original drummer, right? And there were no keyboards, right? Yeah, it was it was Levin Norum and and. Uh, and the the first one actually did have a diff, different bass yeah. player, yeah. But that and that's what led to them kind of after I guess getting a recording contract, recording the first album, and then that led to their their contract with CBS, right? To give them like a worldwide uh, distribution or worldwide, you know, major record label. But yeah, I mean, the first album, it, it's it, it, to me, it it came out at the time I was only like thirteen years old, so. I wasn't really like into them or, or very much aware of them, honestly. I mean, I didn't become aware of them until like most people, which would have been the final countdown in 1986. But uh, yeah, it's a roar sound. It's you could tell the bands obviously just starting out. They uh, the songs maybe weren't quite as honed yet. Uh, the songwriting. Um, so yeah, for me, it's 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 a good album, but it, it's a different sound. It's to me, it had like maybe three tracks that were real highlight tracks for me. Um, you had uh, In the Future to Come, uh, Seven Doors Hotel, and uh, Children of the Time. They were probably my three favorites from that album. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't even know that it album existed. I got into them uh, with Wings of Tomorrow. That was the first. That I got that like when it came out. Okay. And I actually subsequently found out from Vinny and Phil from ZigZag that there was an independent record before that, which at that time was very hard to get a hold of in the States. Oh, okay. So I kind of worked backwards with that record, and my first one was uh, was Wings. And I like that record a lot, the first one. I think it's got you know a tremendous amount of promise. It, it's obviously very new wave of British heavy metal 
infused. You could see the early Ingve sound is because is, it's again the early Ingve and, and this record were, were very close in, in time. It was definitely their infancy. I yeah. think they were around 20 years old when they, all of them, when they recorded this album. So right. it, for what it was, I think it was great. In the context of their whole discography, you know, it falls, it falls short compared to, you know, the greatness that was to come. But for what it was at that time on an independent label with a bunch of 20-year-old guys, I thought it was a very strong record. Well, they, they basically followed that right up in a year later. And they come out with Wings of Tomorrow. Right? Wings was a big, big jump up because it had a real big fat production. You started to get the, the direction they were heading in. And that's a big favorite of mine, that album. It did ranks pretty high up in my, you know, one through 11 of their, their records. Yeah. Well, it definitely, you could say it definitely had a way better production than the first album. Obviously, you're on a major label now. Yeah, better songwriting all around. I thought. Oh know. yeah. I mean, there was there was definitely more songs to me that that just had you could see that where they were going and what was to come. Absolutely. You know? So yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting album. That that's the same thing like you pointed out. You know, I I basically got to know the band uh, first through Final Countdown, and then like I worked my way back. You know, and then picked up the earlier two albums. So that that's that's kind of like how I did the same thing too. You know, yeah, that, that was a. I, I thought that was a, a good album. Definitely a, a big jump from the first one. The, well, it was a hard rocking album. It definitely had a lot of teeth to it. it. The songs were heavy. The songs were were fast and furious for the most part, and it had a a real good production for that time. It had a real beefy production which added to to the whole sound of it it's a it's a big favorite of mine and had a great cover uh it was you could see that there was something really big brewing with these guys at that point a a year later there was oh yeah well i mean you had i mean talk about some of the songs on wings of tomorrow i mean you had Stormwind, you had scream of anger which was just super heavy and aggressive sounding um and and it was funny though because you you could also see where they were heading because you had a song like open your heart or a dreamer, which right. were a little more melodic, yes. and you could see where things were going just a couple of years later. 1986 comes along, the landmark album, right? I mean, the final countdown. Everybody knows the song. It's it's just it's it's a song of legend. It's played in in arenas and sporting arenas, and it's it's just everybody knows that song. But but that's 1986, and it's like that. That's where I got to know them. 1986 is the height of the MTV era. That's when everybody got to know them. Sure. Yeah, it's the height of the MTV era, right? That's how, I mean, seeing that that Final Countdown video, you know, that that was where I, I got to know this band. So, yeah, that that's definitely like a, a huge album in, in their career, obviously, but for me also. Um, and it had so many great songs on it, too. I mean, probably, and I think I mentioned this to you, probably my favorite song uh, of the whole Europe catalog would be Rock the Night. And I just, I don't know why, but I remember seeing that video on MTV when it was, uh, it was recorded at the, this, this, um, the Hard Rock Cafe in like Gothenburg or something. And right. it, it was just, it was just a great song. Well, there's probably no song that epitomized 1986 more than that song. True. Yeah. If, if not the final countdown itself. Right. It, it definitely is a record that if you want to ever tell somebody, you know, what was hard rock music like in 1986, that would pretty much epitomize it yeah but yeah that that was that and, that, and it had so many great songs i mean you think they had what at least uh you had the final countdown as a single you had rock the night as a single you cherokee. had carrie cherokee yeah so there was a lot of great songs on that album 
Um, what are what were some of the, the favorites that you had from that album? I would say I liked everything on the album. The only thing I, I honestly liked Wings of Tomorrow better as an album. I, Overall, I thought yeah. I, I liked the production better on it. I liked those hard rock songs that they they were had a little bit more of an aggressive edge to them. Where you could definitely see even the, the heavier songs in Final Countdown were were definitely more homogenized than the, than the previous record, and this is you know what has been written about and talked about extensively about how Norm ended up departing the band because of the direction, and it was evident going forward that the direction of the band was in a more pink and fluffy direction. Um, they had a front man that had the looks to compete with John Bon Jovi, and they sure. were going to take full advantage of that. And uh, the, the the songwriting didn't lack at all. In fact, probably their next two albums were two of the strongest albums in their catalog. But sure. they definitely went in a in a more commercial commercial vein. Yeah, definitely. I and, and then you know that that's '86, obviously, and then they they toured. They actually came over to America at that point, right? And they played, yes. played shows in America. That was probably the first time they, they hit the American shores, right? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, so that was just inter- international landmark release, you know, a great album. And then John Norm leaves. And they didn't really miss a step because two years later, they put out Out of This World. No, they actually became better because the guy they brought in had more of the look of what they wanted and more of the guitar style of what they wanted. He was really a better fit for where they were headed. So, no, they didn't miss a beat at all. They they probably got better, and that's no knock on Norm, who's one of my favorite players. Right. It was just that they brought in a guy that was more of a pretty boy and certainly more of that that style guitar here. Hab, I hate to use the term, the <laughs> hair band guitar hero. Uh, Norm was a guy that was heavily influenced by Gary Moore, Dave Menachetti, Rory Gallagher. He came from that aggressive style of playing where Marcello was a much more fluent, uh, fancy type of player, which again, fit their style with the type of records they were doing. So no, they did not miss a beat. They probably, for for their direction, they got better. Definitely. I think some of the songs on that, I mean, you had Superstitious was the first, uh, oh, video, yeah, the first single, and that's just a great, great song. song. Uh, but I mean, you had, you know, Let the Good Times Rock, you Open, had your, Open heart. your Heart, yeah, you had uh, More Than Meets the Eye, Coast to Coast. Yeah, every song. song, every song on that record is is a home run. There's not yeah. one song that even borders on being weak yeah. on that record. Another interesting point was that, and I we talked about this the other day, it's like they, they redid Open Your Heart on that album, but they had also done that on Wings of Tomorrow. Right. So that was kind of like interesting. And I, I never really heard the story as to, you know, if there was any story behind that at all. Well, the thing with Wings of Tomorrow was it still had, it was totally unknown in the United States, even right. though there was signed to CBS. The mm. distribution on that record was, I think at that time, it was just solely available as an import. Right. Uh, so they, it, in the States, I'm saying. So I, I think that they felt there was a large fan base that they had broke so big with Final Countdown. And then this record also, I, I think they just felt that that song hadn't got out. It was such a great song. It hadn't yeah. got out there to enough ears. Right. Yeah, and true. there were probably a lot of people that bought that record and just assumed that that was the first time it ever appeared. Right, right. And then, so that's 1988. Um, bands torn in America, you know, they're, they're a huge band at this point. And three years goes by and now it brings us up to, to 1991 and they release uh, Prisoners. Prisoners in Paradise. Yeah. 
And again, I mean, another out of this world and Prisoners of Paradise are, like you said before, probably two of the strongest albums of their catalog. They wrote two albums in a row that didn't have, forget about a bad song, didn't even have a, have a moderately weak song on it. Yeah. And, and this is what I talk about comparing them to the great bands of all time because there aren't too many bands that you could say that about, especially in, in the 90s when records were longer than they were in, the, say, the 70s. These guys wrote two albums that didn't have a song that even bordered on being weak. Right. I mean, what were some of the songs that, well, yeah, I mean, you don't even have to mention, you could say any song. Was there any particular highlight songs? That, well, a Girl from yeah. Lebanon, I always thought was, was something a little special and a little bit, had a little bit to the left vibe about it. Uh, I, virtually every song on that album, I, I, I would rate no lower than probably a 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 it's funny you mentioned "Girl from Lebanon." I, I think the same thing. It's 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 a different type of song for that time. It's it, again, you get back to that term you talk about the, them being the ultimate like hair band in a way with their image and stuff. But that song was just different. It was it was you know yeah. Well, that cool. album was it wasn't quite as commercial as, as the two before it. Mm. It um, had a little more edge to it. It was still kind of in that same vein as as the predecessor. Yeah. But it had a, a song like that, which was a little different, and um, it, it was just another borderline perfect album, in yeah. my opinion. What about The Seventh Sign? How great is that? Yeah. <laughs> Every song. I mean, there's, honestly, I can't say that there's a song on there that even, you know, would, I would rate much less than an eight or a nine. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it's, and it's funny you mention that because, and I was listening to the albums the other day, just, you know getting back into them again, trying to, as we're preparing for this episode. And I guess like, you know, you had out of this world as much as I love that. And that's probably going to be, you know, we'll get to this later, but that might be my, my favorite album from the band, but prisoners definitely had a beefier production. The guitars were more in your face. Whereas I think on out of this world, the keyboards were a little more right. up front, you know, but the guitars were really up front on prisoners. And yeah, so it was definitely, and it was probably a sign of the times too, because it was 1991 at that point. So, I mean, things were starting to change a little bit, right? Yeah, and I think they were a little bit more comfortable and, and, and they had such great success for two commercial hard rock records in a row. I think that they felt, especially, and also taking three years off, which is a nice chunk of time to write a new rap record. I think they were very comfortable in who they are and what they were doing at that time. Right. And then they, they tore for that album. I think they opened up for Def Leppard in America on that tour. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. And then that was it. I mean, the times had changed, right? I mean, in 1992, they basically probably toured that album, and then everything changed, right? The, the whole music scene, the whole this this style of music was not the the thing anymore. Uh, the band went on hiatus, right? Well, they all pretty much went on to do their own things, and 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 Tempest and Marcello actually went in a direction that was more of the times. Yeah. Uh, with the records that they that they put out as as solo records, so it it, it seemed like uh, the lead guitar player and the singer had no problem, you know, go. Not that they put out grunge records, but they certainly were not Europe records right. in terms yeah. of sound. The other guys were really high at hands in just about every Swedish mm -hmm. product uh, yeah. that came out for a couple of years. So the band just fragmented and did their own thing for quite a while, and. It was actually a period of time where it wasn't really... I think it was until that... This I'm, I'm just shooting off the top of my head with this. I kind of recall them and around the Y2K period that they did a... They played a, 
a gig in they Sweden did, with yes. Norm and Marcello. Exactly. I was gonna actually. I was gonna do that as a little bit of trivia. It was there. It was you know? Does anybody know the the point where they actually played with both guitar players? It was Y two K, I believe. They, yeah. yeah, they did a show. I think it was in Sweden. Right. It was on New Year's Eve, uh, leading into the, the two thousand and ninety nine two thousand. And they played. I think they did two songs. They did Rock the Night and the Final Countdown. Right. Obviously, and that was the band kind of getting back together after seven years or so and just kind of doing that one-off thing and i guess maybe that was what kind of made them start to think about i i guess it still took them six years from then to well uh yeah like about well i think about 2003 was when they started kind of getting back together again yeah there was there was a lot of rumblings that they were going to record again with norm right right yeah and then then that brings us up to now we're 12 years past the year, 12 or 13 years past their last album. And we get up to 2004, and they finally now, the band goes into kind of their second era, their second period, or, or third period, as we said before. Um, but you got the, the, the classic lineup back. John Norm is back. Right. Um, and you, you released in 2004, Start From The Dark. So what, what were your feelings on that? I think pretty much what everybody's feelings was at the time because it, it it was still early on enough that you were expecting something and got something that was different. It had that modern vibe to it. For sure. uh, the songs were good. The production was good. Uh, there was nothing negative to say about it. It, it took me uh, it took me a little bit of warming up to it because again, this is. 2004 so you kind of held out some hope that things were going to be more vintage sounding than what they were but it it was a good record i wouldn't say it was a great record i was glad to see them back i was glad to see them back with norm but i loved them with marcello too so if they got back to with him i would have been just as okay with it norm had already put out a string of solo albums most of which i was very high on yeah and um yeah it's it's a record that i i was glad to see them back and it didn't bowl me over but it was it was solid for what it was yeah well now I, that was it's it's funny because when they put that album out they decided they were going to try and get back to america and kind of you know recapture that american you know audience again so they actually toured in 2004 they played bb kings in Manhattan. bb kings yeah. in, in new york city and uh i saw them there i saw that show and i actually saw them a couple nights later they played in new jersey at the starland ballroom so i saw them twice in, in a couple days and uh that was the first two times I, I ever saw the band live so i mean that was it was and that bb king show especially oh my god just the, the reaction of the crowd i mean when they when they came out and did the encore and it was that you hear the keyboard part of final countdown right in and it it was just the energy in, in BB Kings that night was unbelievable. It was that was a great show. But the, and the band was they they sounded good. They were all still great players. They all still were in shape. The band was like top notch still. Yeah, that's like, even till to this day. Sure, they, yeah. they're still you know on, on on fire. Yeah, and then and then now like so they they made the inroads back into America. They make a comeback album so to speak. Um, two years goes by and then they release Secret Society. Secret Society, I, I was a big fan of. I, I really loved the songs on that. It was the same style for the most part as Start from the Dark, but uh, I, I thought a fatter production. Songs that were kind of in the vein of like an audio slave, uh, 
uh, style, which at, in the States at that time uh, was, was kind of popular. Uh, sure. It was a little downtuned, but still had a kind of commercial punchiness to it. But I, I just thought from a songwriting standpoint, that was a, a stronger record than Start From The Dark. And I, I liked that record a lot. I, I kind of, uh, I started to become comfortable in their new sound. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. For me, it's like, I mean, there was some, I, I, there was a, you know, a handful of songs in there that I enjoyed the, uh, Always the Pretenders, uh, Forever Traveling, uh, Devil Sings the Blues. I thought were great. Devil Sings the Blues is great. Great songs. Yeah. Um, and even I, it was funny. I was. It struck me the other day. I was as I was going through the album again and uh, refamiliarizing myself with it. I, I came across the song uh, Brave and Beautiful, and it, it, to me it, it had a U two sound to me. It did totally. A it guitar did. Guitar had that that edge sound to it. It was pretty interesting. You know, I, I guess I never really picked up on that prior, but as I was, it, it's a really it, good record. Like I said, I was starting to become more comfortable in their their new sound, which then wasn't going to be that their sound for that much longer because yet again they were about to start to drastically change. Yeah, well, that that's three years later, two thousand nine, and now they come out with Last Look at Eden. Pretty pretty much of a big change, right? I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, it, I mean, it still had that modern sound. It, but it, it was, that record was somewhere in between the two records before it and what was to come. Yeah, uh, there were songs that had more of a retro hard rock feel, and they still had some songs that had that more modern, slightly downtuned uh, approach. A good record, you know. That was a record when it came out. I was not that big on it, and I went back to it. I don't know, maybe about two months ago, and and listened to it through, and and I really liked it. There's some some strong material on it, but the best was. The best was yet to come for them, as far oh, yeah. as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, because now now we're getting into the. I mean, these these last you know two or the two albums to come, I thought were were the ones that really kind of like made me kind of just fall in love with them even more than I had been. Oh, me too. Um, I mean, so 2009, I wasn't. I can't say I was huge on Last Look at Eden. Um, there was a couple songs in there that I liked. Uh, New Love in Town was a great song, you know, kind of like ballady in a way, you know, very mellow. Um, Last Look at Eden, the, the title track was a great track. That's a terrific song. Yeah, but that's 2009. Now, three years goes by, and 2012, the band puts out Bag of Bones. And now, I know you and I, <laughs> we're going to talk about this because we, we love this album. Um, but what what is your you know? Well, on that? Th- this, this record, and I had read an interview uh, in, in some magazine with them, and they clearly made an attempt to go back and write a 70s-style record without sounding dated. When I say 70s, I don't mean like a, a dated-sounding 70s, like a classic-sounding 70s record. They were quite successful at it because, in my opinion, that's really where Norum shines because that's the style guitar player he is. Mm-hmm. That's the style writer he is. And this is why... Going forward with him, there were so many different styles because if you listen to his solo records, you could listen to another destination, and that was just total seventy sounding record, wouldn't you, you know? And yet his earlier records were 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 hard rock with with Glenn Hughes, mm-hmm. Goran Edmond, and then he did some kind of down tuned alternative records. So he's clearly a guy that wants to go in certain directions, and one of them isn't 
super glossy uh, hairband type of mid-80s stuff. Sure. So I wasn't surprised that they went in this direction. I was thrilled with it, and it fit them perfectly. The songs are, again, another album that is the, even including bonus track, or there wasn't one song that was even moderately weak. It was just a, a great record, and it, it got a lot of negative press because, again, we're talking 30 years after the fact, and people were still clamoring for records that clearly they weren't going to do anymore. Anybody that really keeps up with the band should have known the fact that when John Norum came back, there wasn't going to be an Out of This World or a Prisoner in Paradise. That's why he wasn't in the band. There wasn't going to be a final countdown because that's why he left the band. So I never had any hopes of them sounding like that. Maybe Start in the Dark, I thought maybe would have sounded like that. But I've been so in tune with Norm his entire career. I knew that when he came back in the band there was going to be a lot of different styles and none of them were going to be lipstick right. and, and leather. Yeah, definitely. That's right. I mean, but talk about some of the songs on, on Bag of Bones. I mean, it, it probably one of the most, the newer era, the most epic tracks has to be and Not Supposed to Sing the Blues. I mean, when I saw that video, I was like just blown away. It was, it's, it's. Video it's, was great. Oh my God. It's got yeah. a, that seven, like you talk about that seventies vibe, classic rock sounding. That's such a great song. And even a song like Firebox, uh, Demon Head. No, forget about it. You could see that album was written with vintage Aerosmith, all all the great vintage Robin Trower. A lot of the solos have have a Trower feel to them. It it was it was it was them delving into the best of the best of the seventies and trying to write a record like that, and they were super successful at it, in my opinion. Yep, no, I agree with that one hundred percent. And then, now as good as, as Bag of Bones was, now you move three years down the line. And now we come to 2015, and we've got War of Kings. So, epic. Epic, epic album. Yeah. Uh, that's an album that, again, a lot of negative things said about it. A lot of people liked it. The, the, the negativity really makes my skin crawl because, yet again, it's people that don't want to grow with a band people that don't want to respect the musicians and the writers and the talent and think that they're going to regurgitate the same album from 30 years ago over and over again. Could make a long discussion about this on another date with, with Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And um, yeah, just a, a killer record. Very similar in style to Bag of Bones, but not quite as 70s sounding. Uh, a little bit more uh, in, in terms of epic heavy yes, metal some definitely. of the songs yes definitely. uh more more iron maiden judas priest uh with some arrangements that harken back in time to like emerson lake and palmer and yes uh all thrown into a blender with great songwriting great guitar playing great musicianship great vocals uh some of the so- strongest song I, I would say the first two songs out of the box on this album alone are worth the price of admit. If you don't listen to another song on the record, if the first two songs don't knock you on the floor, then so you, I don't know if this music is for you. But. So you're talking that that's the title track, War of Kings, and Hole in My Pocket? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean those that that's like one of the that that is one of the great one two punches of all time. Oh yeah. In my opinion. And 
I can't say enough about this. Yet another Europe record where there isn't a weak track. There right. isn't even a mediocre track to be to be offered. And yeah, it gets it gets my highest praise. I just hope that if they ever do another record, it'll be in that vein. But oh, I mean, it, it, you talked about the, the songs. I mean, you talked about the first two songs. But you had you know stuff like Second Day. You had uh, California Four Hundred Five, oh, which is a great song. Days Different, of Rock and but Roll. Great. Oh, yeah. that Days of Rock and Roll is like just yeah. this, this real. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great know? record. Uh, it. I would have liked to have seen it overall more absorbed by fans. Uh, the, the negative press that it got, or the negative comments it got on a lot of the Facebook uh, pages, uh, I, I just don't get it because as I've gotten older and I've aged, I, and I started off with all these bands in, in my teens and my 20s, and now I'm four, four decades down the road with them, I, I'm just amazed that people are still expecting musicians in their 50s some cases 60s to write songs the same way they did when they were 22 and 23 i don't know why you'd want musicians to write songs at 58 that they wrote when they were 22 but there is a certain element of people that just just want the same thing regurgitated but i appreciate great talent and with great talent comes many different factions of songwriting and styles Oh yeah. Well, I think that's that's the, what you just said. I think it was it's a great point that why we're doing a discography on a band like Europe, because this is a band that they 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 were in the middle of the hair era, but now it's it's 2021 and it's like the band, a great band, different sound, but still just as good as they ever were, you know, for the most part. I mean, yeah. song and 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 another thing with with War of Kings. And, and and Europe has done this over the release of their or their albums. They they've always kind of thrown in an instrumental track here and there on most of their albums, right? And probably my favorite uh, Europe instrumental is on, is, that album. Is on War of Kings. Right. It's uh, Vas Aston, I right. think it's called. Uh, great, great, great instrumental. I mean, that's probably my favorite instrumental of them. For sure, I, I agree. And then now after the epicness, and now I actually saw them. On uh, twice on the War of Kings tour, they actually came back to America for the first time since Start from the Dark. Right, that's so, when I saw. It. I think we probably went. Did you go to the show at Irving Plaza? Irving Plaza in right. New York City. We were yeah, both. I, at, I went to yeah, that show too. Great show. Um, yeah, and I actually saw them a couple of days later. They headlined the M3 Festival down in uh, Columbia, Maryland. So I saw them there too, uh, about two days after the Irving Plaza show. But I think they actually did two two short legs uh, American tour. On that, which is, like I said, it was interesting because it was the first time since 2004 right. that they actually came back to uh, to America. So well, what I what I liked about that that tour when I saw them at the same show you went to is they um, they unabashingly pushed War of Kings in yeah. spite of the the mixed emotion. In fact, they opened the show with that song, right. yeah. which I thought was again was worth the price of admission. Yeah, and it, it was just a a great array, and they and they did throw in some of the Marcello stuff, which sure. you know, I guess whether Norm is wild about that or not, they have to yeah. uh, acknowledge two great records. But I, it was it was a great show, it was a great tour, and um, they yeah. were they were firing on all eight cylinders for sure. Oh yeah, and then but then now, so now you got their latest album, the last recorded album they've done up to this point, 2017. They come out with Walk the Earth, and now me personally, and I'll just start off with this. It's like I mean, we've talked about this, you know, endlessly, and it's it's definitely to me and and my thought, and I, I presented this to you the other day. 
when we were talking about this. I think that, and this is just my opinion on the whole thing and my analogy of it, but you had 2015, you come out with this great album, the band comes back to America, they you know do a couple small short tours, um, they headline the M3 festival, huge festival, 15, 20,000 people. The band's on a high, they actually get a commercial for Geico <laughs> here in America, yep. which, you know, brings the band into a whole new light. It's they're on TV, you know, you're seeing the commercial every every day. And the band feels now maybe it's like, hey, we've we're back. We we got, you know, a lot of good press on the last the latest album, uh, War of Kings. Uh, we've got this commercial thing. It's put us back in people's you know, in front of people again, in America especially. And it's like they almost, my feeling was they rushed to get another album out to kind of continue that momentum. And that result was was Walk the Earth. Unfortunately, uh, it kind of, to me, fell by the wayside. And in terms of quality, songs, I just think weren't there, right? Yeah, this is a tough, tough record for me to... Uh to review because of how I feel about the band. And quite honestly, I, I, I think the record stinks. There's nothing about it. I like the first song. I thought was pretty good. Uh, I thought it, it severely lacked in songwriting. Um, and I remember reading while they were, there were rumors of them working on a new album that they had brought in outside writers, or there was a suggestion by their management to bring in outside writers, which I thought was strange. And, um, just not a good record. I've listened to it multiple times. I've tried to force feed myself on it, and it lacks in songwriting. Uh, there's some uh, half-hearted attempts at David Bowieism. Right. Uh, there's some songs that just go absolutely nowhere. And like I said, I, I like the first track on the record. Yeah, the title track. Yeah, and I I I, I thought it might have been something that would follow along the lines of the predecessor, but it didn't. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a weak record. It, it seems weak on every front, right down to the fact that it barely clocked in at 40 minutes in length. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's a black eye to a phenomenal discography, but that wouldn't be the first great band that had. I, one of my favorite bands of all time is Black Sabbath, and there's a couple of black eyes in their discography, too. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my next favorite band is the Allman Brothers. There's some black eyes in their discography. So a, a, a band that's released 11 records, if there's one black eye out of 10, out of 11, that's yeah. that's pretty damn it's good. It's still not so bad, right? Yeah, I remember when I when I, they released the first uh, single and video was, was "Walk the Earth" and I, and I was like, yeah, you know, this is continuing in what they were doing on the last album. And then, you know, of course, the album comes out and from there. Uh, it just lacked in songs, you know. I mean, it was it was directionless. Um, the the the, da- the David Bowie thing I, I I didn't get, and it's I, I love David Bowie, especially early David Bowie. And if you're going to write a song, then it's good, and it sounds like David Bowie. That that that's okay. I don't I don't mind that, but it, it was directionless, and I, I don't know how much the outside writer writers had to do with that. But uh, I don't know if they're going to write another album. It's been already four years. There's no talk of it. I know they've been touring in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and I it, and I do agree with what you said. I think it it might have been rushed because they had been going three, four, five, you know, years in between records at times, and uh, it it the record really lacks. And I I, I hope they're 
released albums don't end on this note, but yeah. it's been four years and I've heard nothing that they're they're writing. So I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Well, I actually, went, as we were preparing for this, you know, and I was kind of trying to, I'm like, you know, it has been four years and obviously you had the whole... 2020 was just you know almost non-existent for everybody and and even continuing into this year but i was like you really haven't heard anything from them you know they're they got some shows i think they just played a show last couple weeks ago it was the first time they played in the last year and a half and i think they were opening for i forget what act they were they were doing they were doing headlining shows and opening oh yeah well i know they got the, the 2022 they're going to be doing uh with white snake and foreigner in europe I think they're going to be right. They're, they're going to be the opening dates, band, I, believe, I think, for the right? white for White Snake. Yeah, well, they, they did they did that tour with with that those three bands prior, or or was that something that got washed out with with 2020? I thought they played some shows together. I think the, they did. Yeah, yeah. So I guess this is a, kind of a continuation of that. But again, I I was looking and on their website and, and trying to search around to see if there was anything about them maybe writing any new. There has been nothing, and I. You know, I, I don't know what that could be, you know, it could be just out of ideas. It happens. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I'd rather they not put out an album than put out another weak one because I got nine or ten great albums to go back to at any time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that basically covers us. We're running through their, their 11 albums. Um, and we, we thought we would do, and you suggested this the other day, which I thought was pretty cool. You said, let's rank the albums, you know. I'll do mine. You do yours. Um, do you want to, How do you want to go? You want to? You want to go like from eleven to one, right? I mean, I'll go one through else. eleven. You want to go through eleven? Okay. Yeah, and start. I'm not going to elaborate because we elaborated on these records, so yeah. I'm, I'm just going to give my one through eleven and okay. maybe a couple of words on each one. I I, re- I rank Pris- Prisoner in Paradise number one, uh, Out of This World number two, War of Kings three, Bag of Bones four. Wings, I brought in at five. Final Countdown, six. Secret Society, seven. Europe, self-titled, eighth. Last Look at Eden, ninth. Start from the Dark, tenth. And uh, Walk the Earth, eleventh. <laughs> yes. Well, you actually, I, I we had a look at your your eleven, and then you looked at my eleven, and we we're somewhat close. But I I basically went with uh, Out of This World. As number one, my number one favorite album by Europe, and number two, I went with War of Kings, uh, just because. And we talked about this just before we started recording here. You know, you said we could have easily went. You know, that could have been I, any one, one of my one through three could have been three, two, one. Also, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, me too. It's that close, definitely. And then, um, so then, number three, I have Prisoners in Paradise. Number four, uh, Final Countdown. Number five, I have Bag of Bones. Number six, I have Wings of Tomorrow. Uh, number seven is Star from the Dark. Number eight is the self-titled uh, Europe album from 1983. Uh, number nine, Last Look at Eden. Number 10, Secret Society. And number 11, Walk the Earth. Gee, I'm shocked on your number one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're fairly close. Yeah, you know, we're a couple little close, flip-flops. Yeah. And, and we didn't compare notes. So no, yeah, we both uh, did our own off the cuff. And, and looked at it afterwards, yeah. So, but yeah, so that that was our uh, our discography run-through of the great band Europe. Uh, so we, we also want to do, and I'm going to ask people out there as they're listening to this, you know, if you guys are a, fans of the ba- a fan of the band or whatever, uh, just... 
you know, give us your thoughts. You know, leave it on our Facebook page, uh, comment on the YouTube channel. Uh, let everybody know, you know, let us know what your favorite albums were or your favorite album, however you want to, how deeply you want to go into it. You want to go one through 11, you just want to give us your top album, your top three, your top five, whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear that from people. And, and we'd also like to know what you guys think about our list. Um, which we're going to post that up on our Facebook page so you guys can look at it and analyze it and, and see if, you know, you think we're we're crazy, we're, we're right on on point, you know, see, see what you guys think, right? Yeah, so that that was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed this. I, I, you had a lot of really good points on, on the band. Thank um, you. Yeah, I thought that was really enjoyable. Coming in handy for some things. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I hope everybody enjoys this episode. And uh, yeah, so uh, going forward, we... Uh, we just today think we we have a, a guest lined up for a future episode here, right? So we're not going to say too much, but we think it's going to be a pretty cool one. And uh, what do you? you, you well, think? I'll say if you're a, a fan of um, vintage USA hard rock from the late '70s, it's a name you'll know and a band I'm sure you love. Yes, definitely. So we'll leave it at that. We won't get too uh, too much into detail until we get everything finalized and figured out. And scheduled. So uh, with that, that was uh, episode number two of the Jersey Guys podcast. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, we'll see you back here again next week, hopefully with another episode. Bye. Sayonara.